Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and as always, we have the esteemed Mr. John Morris with our sponsors. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This episode of Working Class Fishing is brought to you by Troutlander Nets, Lid Rig, Angry Rooster Fly Company, Maxon Outfitters, and Morris Fly Company. All right. Thanks, John. And make sure that you go check out all of those awesome sponsors. They're doing a lot of great stuff right now, and they're coming out with a lot of cool stuff. Weston Fulbright is going to be coming out with a giveaway coming up here in the fall. So uh, more details to come from Mr. Troutlander here pretty soon. But tonight's very special guest has been a great friend of ours now uh, going on about six months. We were introduced to his channel by Willie Gray, Mr. Want to Go Fishing. He said, hey, have you ever checked this guy out? And uh, I said, no, I haven't, but I will go check him out. And this is way back in like January or February, but this is Chris Johnson, a.k.a. Catfish and Chris. And if you have seen any of our stuff on Instagram or on Facebook and, and you've seen Chris comment on it or you've also seen us share some of his stuff too, that is Catfish Chris and that's who we have on. So, Chris, thanks so much for being on. Honored to be here. It's awesome because, uh, you know, you're you're a fellow Tennessean with John and uh, John's went down the path of no return into fly angling, but you do all kinds of different stuff, predominantly conventional, obviously catfish, but you also do a lot of ultralight fishing and everything else. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch because John and I are big fans of panfish and bass. And I mean, all those kinds of cool stuff. They're super cool. Yeah. I mean, like I always, I usually take like two, three catfish rods and just chuck them out and just spend my time elsewhere on the bank. You know, trying to catch green sunfish, bluegill, bass, whatever's biting just to pass the time because, you know, I, I get impatient real quick. Like 20, 30 minutes goes by without even a bite. Screw it. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> but, you know, it happens. I mean, you got to catch bait or, you know, just figure out what, what else the other fish are doing or like coming up a couple of weeks and the weather's already cooling down. I'm going to start changing stuff over to targeting crappie and, you know, bass and bluegill and stuff like that more. Yeah. So um, one of the big things was uh, you, you just delved into a, a realm that, that we've had actually quite a few guests and, and one of our other guests that were on um, uh, Amanda, she actually kind of got you set up and you just actually did your first bit of Tenkara fishing. Yeah. Like, the last time I bought a fly rod was like 20 something years ago at Walmart, which they still sell them at some stores, but like I, I know well enough how to do it. And I, at one point had a little vice to tie my own flies, but I was like, had no fucking idea what I was doing. I just taking shit and saying like, Hey, this looks like a mosquito or a fly and just went with it. But I mean, I would like to be able to know well enough to like, if somebody, put a fly rod and some flies in my hand 
what to do without having to be taught a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, maybe someday pass that knowledge down to somebody else that hasn't been, you know, versed into it. But yeah, Amanda's, she set me up with, I think five or six flies and had no idea what any of them are called. I don't know if she just named them or what, but yeah, she was cool <laughs> with shit. She was like, she was like, hey, I'm going to send you some flies. What's your address? And, and she's like, well, they're on the way. And like the day I got them, I went out and just started casting around and got my first 10 car fish, little long ear sunfish. It's, dude, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And, and Amanda's such a treat, dude. Like she, she's genuinely just awesome. Yeah, she's cool as shit. Like, I don't know how many times I've talked to her just bullshitting and talking about fly fishing and Tinkara and all that. She she's freaking awesome. Yeah, she's a dude, she's a great um uh, I think ambassador might be the word, like to the sport in general, not just like Tinkara or fly fishing, but like fishing in general. Like she's fucking badass for that stuff, dude. <laughs> like she she makes it welcoming, you know, and that that's that's what we need more of is people that are willing to sit down and talk to you and not make you feel like a, an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's what I like so much about like the catfishing community, which, which really it's the whole fishing community in general. But like I've gone to the uh, catfish conference up in Louisville, Kentucky for several years and pretty much everybody's like just want to sit down or sit down and bullshit with you and like even some of the big names in the catfishing community are they're super chill people like um luke nichols with catfish and carp he is just super chill like i walked up to him it's like hey watch watch all your videos and he's like well that's cool uh come walk with me i gotta go talk to so and so i'll chat with you over there and I'm like, that's pretty cool and steve douglas a bunch of the bigger names like chris souders all the whisker seeker people and but with every fishing community there's a few little bad apples but for the most part it's a very welcoming community no i, I think so man i don't and i don't know a fucking thing about catfishing man like i've been like twice my entire life like we we always fished um our artificial lures or you know like Rapala's, uh, inline spinners, stuff like that. We never really fished cut bait or live bait or anything like that. So I've been catfishing twice and I used hot dogs, but I did, but I, I did do that ever so often. So Chris, Dave, where, but where are you from, man? Like, how'd you get into fishing? And, um, pretty much like I was pretty much born into it. Like everybody, for the most part on both sides of the family were into fishing in some capacity but uh, it was mostly from like my mom and dad and I'd, i've always like had an interest in catfishing but i never really knew any shit about them like we would just you know take our bass or crappie rods and just throw some shiners or worms or whatever out and just hope for the best and um i think in 2016 or 2017 i got my first guide trip with scenic city charters out of chattanooga and we i think we caught like 30 something cats that day just drifting down a river with chicken breast just little baseball sized chunks of chicken breast and all these cats are just good solid eater sizes like five to ten pounds and um 
the a buddy of mine that's a guide with them i'd seen him on youtube years and years ago because i used to fish the area that he uh, guides in and then like 20 years goes by and i hadn't hardly finished or fished it so i just found him on youtube and then started talking to him and went on a couple of guide trips with him and he really just he's really a big player in what got me hooked into catfishing like it doesn't matter really where i'm at if there's any kind of depths to the water that i'm looking at i'm like i bet there's catfish there 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 like i just want to see what's in it whether it's bullheads bullies channels whatever yeah catfish man um for me they're they're just absolute like if you want to go out and get something that's good to eat man you can't beat a cat like if i was gonna go out and just you know between walleye perch and catfish that's like the pinnacle of like eaters in the warm water um uh game and you know my experience with fishing for catfish has been pretty much doing the same thing that you're doing but you bring a lot of different techniques to the table that a lot of us western guys you know where we've had catfish brought here and they've flourished your techniques are definitely specifically targeting those fish i mean and and that sounds like it comes from a lifetime of um you know actually fishing for them yeah doing it and talking to um oh fuck my light went out oh well just doing it (laughs) and um you know talking to guys like just figuring shit out as i go like i'll get messages every so often where people are like hey uh you catch all these big catfish how do i do this well it varies from body of water to body of water like what works for me here may not work for you there but it's a general idea of what you could start with and then adjust from there i mean catfishing is a lot more simple than people think it is like really just put a piece of meat like on a hook and chuck it out and just wait like it's people ask about what kind of bait is best which there's no best bait which i usually tell people if they're asking about bait use what's most commonly found in the bodies of water that you fish in like bluegill if it's legal use bass crappie whatever um and you got your alternative baits like chicken hot dogs or whatever but catfishing ain't as complicated as it seems to be like you can make it complicated but hell just tying on a hook with a piece of bloody bluegill or whatever it's about as simple as it gets yeah well i know uh my experience has um you know it's been i i just got a message from a friend he's like hey you want to hop on my boat this day yeah sure um anyways um so my experience has been the bloodier the bait the better now john you talked about catching them on hot dogs but you've got them on the fly too, haven't you? Dude, so I've actually caught um, – so I guess to say I went catfishing twice was wrong because I, I, I think I've intentionally caught catfish twice is a better way to say that. I've caught a ton on the fly. Uh, I've caught them on streamers. I've caught them on mop flies. I've caught them on teleco nymphs um hell i've even caught them on uh eggs like cream cream and tan colored eggs that look kind of like pieces of uh i don't know um 
bread really yeah um bread is another good one especially for like carp fishing like um if you watch i think it's Milliken fishing like he fishes a bunch of canals and shit there in texas using just chunks of wadded up bread and catches channel cats like it's going out of style i mean just simple shit like that i mean you can catch carp bluegill catfish hell even bass dude i bet you i bet you can catch trout on bread and now i want to find out <laughs> it's I'll coming try about it. that time of year i'm gonna to have to find that out because like the closest like little mountain stream we've got this stream is weird as hell like i've i see trout during the winter like you typically would and then i've seen them as far into like june when the water's warmed up like don't trout like normally stay away from hot nasty water like that well, well man the the thing so that that's kind of one of those things of i mean every fish except you know your some of your temperate or tropical fish you know they like that more um moderate water range trout being one of the colder ranges as well as like striped bass and stuff i mean well striped bass is kind of like in the 70 degree to like 75 degree uh water temp but trout can survive uh as long as there's oxygen in the water and that's that's where it gets a little mixed up because the hotter the water, the less oxygen that's in it. So as long as it's moving in those mountain streams and most of those mountain streams, uh, they're spring fed anyway. So they're, they're naturally sitting around 60 degrees anyway. So even though our ambient air temperature is, let's say like 105, the, the top, maybe like six inches of that water, which could be that entire pool in some of those places. Cause I, I fished up there near you quite a bit and, um, as long as the water is moving and they've got some shade and they've got food, they're still going to hang out. They're not going to go anywhere. It's just catching yeah, them figure, when it's back. I figure this is probably because they're more acclimated to it. I mean, depending on the region and stuff like that, too. Oh, dude, I, I'd absolutely say so. And those are wild fish, too, like stockfish. Stockfish are pussies, dude. Like, but, but, <laughs> but, but wild fish, dude, they're hardy. I mean, but yeah. wild fish are pretty dumb, too. Like, I mean, like up in some of them streams, dude. Like our buddy Marty says, you could throw a throw a cigarette butt out there on, and they'd eat it. And it's the That's truth. That's true. That's true. I've heard of catfish being caught on cigarette butts. I just, I don't smoke, so I'm not going to try to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched the next hot bait. Everybody's out there digging through the ashtray like the bum in front of Walmart. Sorry to reference Walmart, Chris, but you know, <laughs> oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care one bit. <laughs> we, we should. <laughs> We should get Josh to tie because uh, he likes tying those foam flies that look like hamburgers and shit. For oh, yeah. We should get him to tie a cigarette butt. Well, Josh, <laughs> if you're listening to this, tie, tie some cigarette butt foam flies. And uh, if we can catch fish on them, that'd be awesome. <laughs> no, Chris, it wouldn't be too hard to tie a fly that looked like a cigarette butt. That's foam, like I could, right? Just tie yeah, it out. I mean, hell, even I could probably figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well here we go you know we started out with uh um gummy bears and steelhead beads and then uh gummy worms which maddie b proved will catch bass uh yeah. and now now we're on to mimicking cigarette butts because everybody says oh yeah you can catch a steelhead on a cigarette butt or a trout on a steel you know so that, that would be pretty interesting we're, we're getting into like these off lures and uh, it's you get into it's more really... fancier areas like yeah. i guess like different 
the Northern Territories or British Columbia or somewhere real fancy, and they're like, only the finest cigars for my trout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you walk up there with your fly box, and it's like an old Marlboro red box, and you just start dumping flies out. <laughs> yeah. You're like on the Vetter River or something like yeah. that. What's funny is I actually think, so Aaron smokes, not Laterra, but. Um, Mr. Uh, Appalachian is, uh, yeah. Yeah, he smokes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he put some flies in one of his boxes one time when we were out <laughs> to keep them dry because he still had the cellophane on there. And I'm pretty sure he did that. Well, you know, this uh, we're getting into white trash uh, fly fishing 101 here pretty quick, which is fine. <laughs> It's totally fine. I mean, we are the working class fishing podcast. So that's, you know, if you show up and, and, and you take like, uh, I, I guess this could turn into like the Jeff Foxworthy type thing, you know, where instead of waders, you take like hefty bags and pull them up to your crotch to make like some, some, uh, hip boots and, uh, shove your old <laughs> tennis shoes on and go out there. Yeah. You know, I, I would be game to do that on the Deschutes river. Let's just take a blue ribbon fly river and, and just totally defile it. Dude, <laughs> Those dudes on the Deschutes would throw a fucking fit. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all good. I carry a gun. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, so just the idea, though, of like, you know, you were talking about like the dumb yeah. fish versus the smart fish, you know, and, and I think you and I have talked about this. Like, I, I was talking about A-Run Coho being total asshats, you know, because they yeah. just don't bite, you know, and that's that's my fish. But you're talking about like retarded hatchery fish. So a lot of these are that they're inbred. And, and that's one thing I'll say about hatchery fish. It's just like pond bass. Like Chris, you're, you, you talk about pay lakers and all that kind of stuff, which it seems to be like the bane of every like river cat angler, you know? Um, but these, these hatchery fish, yeah, the hatchery fish. Now I like hatchery fish because you don't feel bad about killing them. Right. And, and yeah. it's not like taken out of the wild stock, but, but, um, on the flip side of it they're so inbred like overly inbred that they've like lost all their wild instinct to attack like things in their travel or their their zone you know what's been your experience with that and then and then you can rant about pay lakers too I, well as far as like trout go i don't i don't know too much about them but i don't know of many pay lakes in tennessee but my thing with pay lakes is if it's stocked with farm-raised fish, that's one thing. I'm cool with that, but it's the ones that are ripping, you know, trophy-class catfish or whatever, but mostly the catfish, ripping them out of public waters by commercial fishermen, and then these pay lake owners paying them absurd amounts of money for these fish just to be dumped into a pond that's, like I've said a billion times over, under oxygenated they're underfed they're loaded with chemicals like there's countless um groups on facebook that expose this kind of shit and people refuse to understand it like you still gotta have skill to catch fish in a pay lake but no motherfucker you don't it's a fish in a barrel mm -hmm. it's literally it's, and, it's, and what's what's funny too is like because i've fished pay lakes before and it, it's like dude uh it was funny because i ended up I, I caught some bluegill with my hand uh actually they were right there on the bank and what i did is i slapped them up on the bank and we used it as cut bait and we caught catfish off that bluegill well my dad did i didn't so i can't say that i've actually caught, caught them on cut bait but he caught them on that bluegill 
but you go buy that bait down at the tackle shop that's there at the pay lake, you know, for with the $7 sodas and the, you pay like $10 for that food, dude, and you don't catch shit. Like, no, no, because all the fish already ate all that. They're not going to eat no more of it. Or they're just like selling you graham crackers for like $10. And they're like, yeah, this will catch them. It's, 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 it's just, it's so shitty, dude. You pay like, you pay like 20 bucks a person to go to this pay like and then if you get a, a fish you actually want to keep you got to pay for the damn fish too it's yeah, it's I, it's gross those dude. pay lakes like all the chemicals and shit that are in them i wouldn't keep anything out of a pay lake to begin with i mean if it's like a you know a relatively clean one like one of these farm rare farm raised farm stock ones that's a little bit different but like these big catfish and bass or whatever that get pulled out of the public waters like every waterway has those signs that says limit consumption this because of you know contaminants in the water that is nothing compared to what's in these pay lakes like the bigger fish have obviously been in there longer so that's one reason why i don't keep anything over about 10 pounds but you know as far as like pay lakes go the trophy stock ones screw them screw their owners the farm raised ones that, that's fine because you know i get it there's a lot of people that can't just get out and go target these fish or you know kids or just people starting out that just want to kind of figure stuff out and then go on another way yeah you know that that we have we don't have a lot of pay lakes in in the northwest now there's there's like private fishing clubs where they go in and they stock lakes and do stuff like that out of out of farm raised fish and you know they'll they'll buy like bass from somebody in texas and they and they haul them up here so that there's bat largemouth bass in the pond and there's certain like wild stocks of largemouth and you know or naturally reproducing i should say in in different lakes and areas but for the most part for people to have accessibility to those types of warm water fish uh here they have to be put into those types of uh lakes now exact opposite for smallmouth that's a that's a river fish through and through and so if you're if but like you said, if you're trying to get somebody started out fishing, they're just learning how to fish. Those, those types of lakes work out okay. Like if they're private and you have access and, you know, you, you the beginner doesn't have to pay for them. But yeah, the, the pay lake thing, paying to get in, paying for the fish, everything else. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, especially when those fish are coming out of public areas to stock those lakes. If they were all farm raised, like, you know, it's like a catfish farm on the Mississippi or something like that. And they're like, hey, we're going to load up the, the the stock tank truck and we're going to drive it up here to Chattanooga or whatever. And we're going to pump it into a pay lake. That's one thing. But when they're out there on, you know, the Mississippi netting them out of the Mississippi or the the Ohio or the Miami or wherever, you know, name name whatever major river. That that to me is just like, you know, you paid for a license. And a license pay isn't necessarily mean that you're going to feed your family for however much you paid for that license, but you paid for that resource. Why should you have to go double back and pay for that resource again? Yeah, it's like the commercial fishermen and whoever that whoever else that takes these fish out of the waterways, you're they're essentially just robbing from the people that paid for their licenses, which pay for the you know maintenance of the waterways and all that good stuff. You know, but at the same time, they're licensed to take those fish as well. So I don't, I don't yeah. think we can, we can't be as, 
as critical of commercial fishing because that's they're they're legal that they're within their means of the law to do that as well we may not agree with everything that goes on with it you know but that's that's their life you know man you so we gotta you gotta look at it like that too uh i've i've got some buddies that are commercial fishermen you know they run hoop nets they run uh jug lines trout lines the trot lines not trout lines but and they do all that stuff man you know like the gator season just wrapped up here in uh arkansas and all that stuff so um i want to catch a gator dude, i don't want to fight one of those big bastards i don't i don't want to catch a gator if <laughs> me me and a gator it would be like me and a snake and except i need that battery to get back home so it wouldn't get the battery this time <laughs> or the or and not break it dude I, i'm I still need another or <laughs> oh, i still i still can't get that out of my head because like i said i look i go out and look at my drift boat oars and i'm just thinking that like i, I said before I, th I thought of john like like tomahawking the snake with like a 10 foot like drift boat or like a sawyer double laminated shoal cut I'm like, that snake didn't have a chance. Like, you can jam this thing into boulders in the river and flip them out. You know, I was like, and he broke it. That's a totally different ore. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, my favorite deck. line from that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I think my ore uh, is actually a paddle. Well, it was a paddle. It was like five and a half, six foot. Oh, okay. Like yeah. One of the little yeah. ordinary paddles you can get from Walmart or something like that. Yeah, and it, it was sitting in the boat for God knows how long. It, it wasn't the same color anymore, so. You know, uh, I, I hate to ruin people's power fantasies of John Morris, but I didn't. I did not break a Sawyer or over the head of a snake. <laughs> uh, my favorite line from track. my favorite line from that uh, that interview was, "You in the wrong hood, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think John sent me the message. I think I think. He sent me the message. He's like, I just killed a fucking snake in my driveway with an ore and then a deep cycle battery. I'm just like, how in the fuck did this go on? Like, I'm, I'm trying to fathom John. And he's just like, fuck you. You know, he's out there beating this thing. I'm like, damn, you know, I mean, that's oh, the, what snakes will do to people. Well, dude, I don't like snakes. I don't know. Like, and, yeah. and it's, it's a fucking it's got, rattlesnake. It's, it's got a, it, yeah. It's it's got to be legs and arms like lizards. I I I like lizards, dude. Like me and them, they just kind of chill. Except komodo dragons, but they eat yeah, people. Yeah, well, komodo dragons are like 180, 200 pounds. Going to eat a horse too. So yeah, you know <laughs> that one can pass. But but snakes, dude. Snakes are slithery bastards for one. Like I don't like snakes. They can hide. They can, dude. I, I I fucking forgot to tell Brian this. I, Chris, I'm telling you too for the first time, dude. I went fishing last weekend after the fly show, right? And uh, I was there with the Grants. Dude, I swear to God, like, I, I, I went through, we went down this little creek. I went up on the bank. I took maybe 15, 20 steps along this bank while I was getting, like, eat the fuck up by mosquitoes. I stepped on a fucking snake, dude. Damn. But, I, but luckily, in my uh, infinite wisdom, I stepped on its fucking head. I, I stepped on its head and then I kicked it. <laughs> Thank God you didn't use your rod to beat it to death because I've heard of guys doing that. Well, I, it's it was covered with a lifetime warranty, and I, I think I think Justin Cameron would understand 
why I broke that 10 weight Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if it got, I'm looking at mine up in the ceiling right now. If it got beat with that, it was going to be fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's a meat stick, dude. <laughs> but I did, dude. I, I stepped right on its head and I kicked it straight in the water and I turned around and I said, I just stepped on a fucking snake. <laughs> oh damn yeah you and snakes yeah. do not get along now i know why why you're like man the hell with texas man Dude, i'm the same man. way with spiders i fucking hate spiders like there's no reason for anything to be that small or that big and have that many fucking legs goes <laughs> <laughs> along with john's thing Dude, not not only that you, you see spiders got too many fucking legs snakes too many eyes too many eyes too yeah you can't yeah. They, they, there ain't even enough glasses to fit on all them eyes that don't make sense see <laughs> but but they're so dangerous is the thing like they're so fucking small but they are so dangerous like wolf spider yeah not venomous but they hurt like a motherfucker when they bite you like, yeah but but black widow heaven forbid you don't see what bit you you just die like yeah <laughs> you or you end up with like tissue necrosis or something like that you know you're, yeah, you're getting like a wound brown. drained intact dude like chris chris will tell you man brown recluse are fucking bad in tennessee oh, yeah. those they things are, are the spawn of fucking satan and they're everywhere man <laughs> yeah I, I i like living where i live we we got like slugs and and yeah we got rattlesnakes over in the desert and ticks but i can live with all that you know uh black we do have black widows and scorpions but uh you know like they're they're so rare to see and be around around here because it gets so damn cold in the winter that i think everything just freezes and dies like it can't hide itself enough to not but it's uh, man no thanks what yeah, the i don't hell like possesses scorpions people? either yeah what the hell possesses people to live in places like that dude i i can't tell you i don't have a clue i've spent a lot of time in the middle east and i'll, I'll tell you a story that I ain't, I ain't told a whole bunch of people dude there's a reason like when you get so this is this is like this isn't a lesson of like shitting in the river right this isn't aqua logs all right but this is a lesson of how to properly shit in a port of shitter all right you get in there and you lift the lid and the seat with your shoe you use your foot you get your balance on the door frame right because you don't want to go teetering backwards or forwards and you lift your leg up and you kick that son of a bitch up and the reason you do that is because you don't want a fucking camel spider running across your tank in the middle of fucking iraq <laughs> dude uh so what happens if you slip and go forward with your foot into the shitter dude i don't i never i never did that but i did have That's a spider run across my tank one time yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, dude Damn. i got out of, i got out of there and mock fucking jesus i yeah. didn't i didn't even i didn't shit or nothing dude i got out of there i smoked a cigarette and all that and i contemplated grabbing some fuel samples and setting that motherfucker on fire but yeah. that was so I was yeah to say is this is like a hole in the ground or those tanks they would fill with diesel like in jarhead and just stir that shit <laughs> no, no pun no, intended we're, we're we're past that now now they just suck it out and go dump it all in one big poop pond. oh god <laughs> yeah so you're not burning shit with diesel 
no, we don't have to burn our shit anymore. They just go dump it in the pond so you can get chlamydia in your lungs. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they just cough and do Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Damn. So where were we on fishing anyways? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my bad, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, uh, Chris, I think that you actually did catch a snake, though, didn't you? Was that you? Yeah, I was uh, below Okoy Dam number two, and I, was, I snagged into something. I was like, this, this does not feel like a small mouse or anything else in here. And I was like, yep, that's not a fish. And it's it was a little water snake, a little harmless water snake. But I snagged this thing in my fucking ass, like <laughs> right in the poop hole. <laughs> that thing was biting that the end on. of my rod. And just, I mean, it was going ham on that thing. And I was like, I'm not touching this snake, even if it is harmless. Like, it was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, I would you get be sodomized too. by a fish hook. I mean, yeah, I think I'd be pissed too. <laughs> Damn. Oh, you're, it's just what I like about watching all your stuff is, is it's like, what's Chris fishing for today? It's not the same thing. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm the majestic trout angler, or I'm like the badass, you know, offshore, you know, salmon person, or I'm just going after nothing but catfish. Your, your channel's name's catfish, but you're going after a lot of different stuff. What is your, what is your favorite species outside of catfish to go after? I was thinking about this yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, like my top three in no particular order. Well, I mean, not catfish is going to take the top the top of the list, but bluegill because they're readily available for bait or just to catch. And pretty much everybody started out catching bluegill, and then the next one will be probably smallmouth. Like I don't catch a lot of smallmouth, but I catch or I catch enough of them to keep it interesting. But bluegill, smallmouth and catfish and like catfish in general not just like one out of each of the or one out of the species but if i had to pick it would be flatheads because they're just so much more rare for me you caught a muskie also didn't you yeah um thanksgiving day this last year um i heard about a guy that was there the day before and i was like you know what i'm gonna go up there like i've i've seen some on the lake side of the dam and had some follow a uh, chatterbait so turkey day i went down below the dam with uh, some of my swim baits and just started throwing around and it either bit it just because it thought it was food or it just got sick of seeing the same fucking swim bait go by its face every 10 seconds <laughs> <laughs> but uh i didn't measure it didn't weigh it it was too too much adrenaline going on but it was fun i got that one under my belt so now i gotta get a tiger muskie which i'm gonna have to do some traveling for that one well, that, that was the first video I ever watched of yours. It, it was like, I caught a muskie at the base of a dam first fish and you're out there. Yeah. You're throwing that swim bait and you just drilled that thing. And, and it was like a spillway that it was in, wasn't it? Yeah. If it's, I remember um, right. it's, um, well, I mean, it's Okoy dam number one and it's, I mean, they've got some like floodgates or whatever, but it, they hardly ever open them. But, um, yeah, I was just throwing a seven inch swim bait and, it just happened to get in the right place at the right time because I know how people call them the fish of 10,000 casts. Man. It was fun. So, sounds like something you should do on one of your Tennessee trips, John. Go go up in that area and see if you can't get on a muskie a little closer. Dude, that's, that's, that, that's, that's a goal this year. 
is to get up there and take my dad out there. <laughs> well, they uh, they introduced muskie on Okoye Lake or Parksville Lake. It's the same lake. It's just different names. Just several years back, I think they started out with 3,000 or something like that. And within two or three years, they were like very catchable sizes. And um, like they're a native fish and they, they restocked them to reintroduce them into the, the Okoye River system and to also help with the spotted bass population because the spotted bass population has got so bad in that lake like it's over overtook the largemouth population so uh, tremendously like on a good day you'll catch 20 to 1 spots over largemouth any day wow. i mean it's it just got bad but they put the muskie in there to kind of help with the spotted bass population too That'd be interesting to find like some hard numbers on that and see how that's actually, um, how that's benefited the fishery or what it's done to it. And you got me pretty curious about that now. Yeah, they're, um, I know they originally introduced them to the lakeside, but I mean, somehow they've made them below the dam. So they're into the um, lower Okoy River, which flows into the Hiawassee River just a few miles down. So they're, they're going to be, at some point way on down the line in the Tennessee River too because the Hiawassee flows into the Tennessee between Chickamauga Dam and I believe Watts Bar but it's way way up closer to uh, yeah, Watts Bar chick, but the chick and and even between Watts Bar that's still that's still pretty that's yeah pretty it's a long way it's I mean yeah, it's a long way too. but that, that water temp's way up there so I don't know. I mean, they, they could definitely end up down there, but I don't know how – I don't think they'd survive. Probably not. I mean, the, the Okoye River system stays a lot cooler than Hiawassee yeah. does throughout most of the year. It, yeah, so. without a doubt. Yeah. How, what, what's the general feeling on having those fish get out of the lake and get into the river systems? Does it, does it really bother anybody that, that that can happen or are they concerned about other native bass populations or there's for, for sure, two different groups of people. There's people that are, well, three groups. There's people that are okay with and really don't care. There's people that are the group of people that want to catch them because it's a muskie. And then there's the group of people that hate them because those muskie are killing the bass population. And several people on that particular lake's Facebook group have openly said, yeah, we catch them, throw them on the banks for the bears. They're killing the bass. I was like, well, they're in there kind of for that reason, to help yeah. with that bass population. What a what a waste. I, I hate it. And, and you know, it, I wish that, like, I don't know if you guys are called Parks and Wildlife in Tennessee or DNR. I, I don't know what it is. But whoever that authority it's, um, is. T uh, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. WRA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever that is should be aware of that because it, there again, that's a state resource. They were put there for a reason. If people want to catch them and keep them, it doesn't sound like it's an issue for them to catch and keep the muskie, but keep it and eat it. Don't just throw it on the bank to feed the wildlife, you know, and if there's that many spotted bass, why aren't they just catching and keeping the spotted bass? Is there a re or spotted bass garbage? Because it's 10. No, it's because it's Tennessee, man. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> No, it's cool. It's a lot of it's just the the bass snobs don't want to see bass get killed. Which I mean, I'm kind of on the lower tier of that. I really don't give a shit. But at the same time, whatever. But 
I, I can't stand it that people would just take these muskie or whatever and throw them on the banks because we already have enough issues with the bear population. Like we like middle of Cleveland for about two or three weeks there, people were posting pictures of bears running through the middle of town. I was like, well, they were kind of here before us. Like, you know, as, as society expands, you're going to start running into them more and more when you interfere with their ter- uh, territory. A hundred percent, man. And it's, it's given free food to the bears, which um, bears, I, I'm, I'd like to give them free food, but it, it makes them very uh, comfortable around people. Exactly. And that's not what we need because that's bad for the bears, you know? Yeah. And, but no, TWRA, I mean, they, uh, I think, I think TWRA does a pretty decent job. You know, I've, I've been checked my license and everything's been checked more in Tennessee than it ever has anywhere else, literally anywhere else I've ever fished. And not, you know, not, I sound like a jackass, but I fished in a lot of places now, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. um, but man, it, what kills me too is because the state probably stocks some, but there's, there's a probably a muskies ink chapter for that river or that area as well. And they're doing stocking also. So there I mean, I'll have to look into that. So it's just, I don't know, man, that fucking sucks. Yeah, I, hate, I, I hate when people grossly waste a resource that we have. I don't care if you catch and keep your fish. I don't care if you catch and release your fish, but I do have a fucking problem with you throwing fish on the bank unless it's been directed by the state yeah. to do so. If it's an invasive species, by all means, fucking kill them. They need to be gone. Yeah. Like Asian carp, yeah, we, big problem. Yeah. Yes, Asian carp, they're like they're all over Kentucky. It's like there's a few around the Tennessee River, and they, they want all of those dead. But like if Tennessee or just any of the states had a program kind of like Hungry or the Hunters Feeding the Hungry, but you know, fishermen, you know, doing that, you know, keep those fish and just take them to one of these places that would, you know, donate the fish to the, you know, like homeless shelters or something like that or soup kitchens or whatever. You know, help the help those communities. Yeah. Well, and, and there again, it's just it's just the wasting of of that fish. Like, um, I I know people that catch carp and keep them and eat them. That's what they were put it round for. Now, a lot of people don't catch and eat them, but they'll catch them and kill them and throw them on the bank, especially around here. It doesn't make it right just to kill it and throw it up there. Not really, because I mean we. In, in the areas that the carp are here, we don't have bears. We, uh, we have a lot of birds of prey. So you got ospreys and eagles and hawks and uh, seagulls and all that kind of stuff. They come down. I mean, they'll pick a carcass clean in no time. But my thought on it is, is like, if you're going to catch it and kill it, you should probably take it. And, and I think that, you know, like, like what John was saying, you know, it's probably just the culture there, but I'm thinking about like how good bass is to eat and like the spotted bass. Good. It's actually really fucking good. People, people don't want to say that, but bass is fucking good, dude. Like, it's flaky. It's really white meat. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's honestly, it's not crappie and it's not walleye, but it's up there with them. It's better than white bass, and white bass is damn good. Yeah, I'm, I'm haven't had enough largemouth or smallmouth or spots or anything like that to give an opinion on their flavor. But if I catch enough, you know, white bass. 
best bet I'm hooking up my fillet knife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, dude. Like all you gotta do is you, you make sure you cut that bloodline out and white bass is yep. so fucking good, dude. C- Cajun fried with some lime and a little bit of avocado, son, knock your damn teeth out licking your lips that hard. Like it is, it is ridiculous how good that is. I'll forget who it was. Somebody on one of the one of the old timey shows said uh, something about I want to say it was on the Andy Griffith show. It said said you put uh, put one of these biscuits on your head, your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, that sounds about right. Well, and and any of those fish. Uh, So when you're when you're you you eat fish, Chris. What's your favorite way to, to prepare fish? I'll steal John's question here because now we're on food. I'm hungry. I got a chicken in the oven, but I can smell it out here in the garage. But what's your what's your favorite way to cook fish? Just very simple. Just, uh, you know, pat it dry, you know, put whatever seasoning or whatever. Like I rarely ever use buttermilk or eggs or whatever. Just, you know, just get a good coating of seasoning on there and just throw it in oil and cook it till it's floating. Good and crispy. Man, that sounds good. And and then what is your favorite fish to eat? Is, is it catfish or are you more of a crappie guy? Or? Uh, it'd probably be a toss-up between crappie and white bass. Um, I tried walleye for the first time last year, and it was it was way on up there. I mean, it was, it was a different texture, but, I mean, it was awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to getting some more walleye and frying them bitches up. Yeah. God, they're good. They're so good. Yeah, somebody was saying or tell me they kind of fight like a wet sock, and they really wasn't lying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're they have no fight. Uh, John, you haven't caught a walleye, have you, John? No, no, I've, I've only eaten them. Yeah, they're. I I got one shad fishing, and and my rod's bent up. I'm like, this ain't no shad. A shad just goes everywhere, right? And and I, I reel this thing up and it's a walleye and, and I'm over there, I'm pulling a Jace. I'm like, it's a fucking walleye. It's a fucking walleye. You know, I'm over there. <laughs> I got this thing. Cause I hadn't caught one. And, and I, I, I was just in shock. You know, it's like an 18, 19 inch walleye. I didn't keep it. I threw it back. Cause I figured when I looked at the body and everything, I was like, you know, if you want to have a good walleye dinner, like for the family, you need about five of these to really have a good dinner. And I was like, it's the only one I've ever caught. I'm putting it back. It'll be good karma, you know. And uh, I haven't caught one since. But uh, <laughs> man, they were that that I've ate walleye back in the Midwest during the Friday fish fries. Man, that is some good stuff. Yeah, I, I normally don't keep a lot of fish, but most of the time it's because I like I'll catch a lot of like nine to twelve inch crappie throughout the fall and winter but I don't catch a lot of them in the same day. Like if I don't catch, you know, like three, four of them, I'm not going to deal with filleting them and all that. So I just either keep them on the stringer until I leave or just go ahead and toss them back. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's, that's one of them things too. Like if you ain't on, on a boat, it is so hard to pick what you're going to keep because it's like, well, shit, I caught one crappie. Do I keep it on a stringer or do I throw it back? And, you know, and then you throw it back and you end up catching like 15 or more and you're like, shit. You know, you're like, you, you, you limit out for the day and you're like, man, that would have been a really nice fish to keep. Or you're out there and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm crappie fishing. You put one on the stringer and then like 
he's sitting on the chain gang for like four hours and you ain't had another damn bite and you're like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) that's just the way it goes it seems like yeah yeah it's every now and then you get lucky and get into a really hot bite like several years back um my dad and cousin had went up the river on a real good white bass bite and i got off work and met them at the boat ramp and by the time i'd met them at the boat ramp they'd already caught like 40 something white bass in a couple of hours and by the end of the day we caught i think 73 white bass in three more hours and the funny shit is like we were up against this one rock we found a school of them and we were just throwing those little blue fox spinners and my dad cast his out i casted mine out yes they are (laughs) um he sets the hook i set the hook and we're fighting you know what we thought was two different fish and i got it to the boat and i was like you ain't gonna believe this shit he's like what i said look this one white bass had his spinner and mine in its mouth <laughs> i went bang bang and did that that's insane oh white bass are so freaking aggressive oh I, I, I love white bass when they're running hard oh man dude, you when they're running you can't fucking beat it dude it's I like want to try it sometime. They're like, you're in the wrong hood, motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I want to come try it sometime. Either, you know, come down there when they're running in your neighborhood, John, or something. Because I've always heard, like, you can throw just about anything. And if you just want to have a good time and just hook the shit out of bass, that's, like, the bass to do it with. They're like shaft. You just go yeah, out there is. and just start banging. They are. Why? If it flashes and even remotely looks like a minnow or a shad, they'll just they'll destroy it. Dude, white, silver, chartreuse, fire tiger colors, any of them colors, wear them out. They like spoons. They like inline spinners. They like streamers. I mean, you you name it, dude. My cats are fighting right now. So if you hear that, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I can't do nothing about it. They're stupid. They're, they're, they're a part of the show now, so. I, they are. Val- Valentine's asleep up here on my, uh, actually, <laughs> on my welding certificates from the college. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you know how to weld with a wad of cat, Harry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just so much fun, though, when when you can just go out and fish. That's 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 one of the great things is, like, when, when you meet other anglers and, you, and, and they just – it's like, I just want to go fish. There's, like, none of this artsy-fartsy crap or anything else. You just go out and – and, and that's what I like about the stuff that you do, Chris, is it's just – it's like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to fish. You go open up the back of your rig, you pull out some rods, you pull out some bait, and you go down to the lake or you go down to the river or you go down to the creek and you just fish and it doesn't matter. It's not like, oh, I just went down and I bought this super duper deluxe glow in the dark lure and I'm going to try this. You know, you're like, I got a trout magnet on a one two hundredth head and I'm going to flip it out on the ultralight. And yeah, you talk about your gear and you got a lot of cool gear. Like you have a lot of awesome gear. But in, at the end of the day, it's just like, here, this is how you can catch these fish and boom, boom, and they're hooked. And I think that 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 teaches people more about it than like if you have one of these hyped up like educational things like, oh, if you go do this, you're going to do this. It's just, it's so, it's nice. It, it, you know, like I said, it's like Willie or like Tim Hahn or uh, like John Dalton, uh, you know, you guys just go fish and you have a good time. And it's like anything anybody can do. Yeah, I mean, fishing. And- like it, people starting out like the younger generations that are just getting into fishing 
they see, for example, the Guggen Squad, big flashy brand, you know, pro- promoting it with, you know, this kind of like um, language for their bait names that kind of target a certain demographic and all that. Like they hear, use this bait this way, you're going to catch more fish guaranteed. And they go out and do that and they don't catch shit. And then they get bored and they just uh, fishing's bored or boring. I'm just giving this stuff up. I didn't catch anything. Like, more often than not, I'll tell somebody if they're getting into fishing, just, you know, start small, go to a creek, figure out things that way, and then apply that knowledge to a river or a lake or whatever, and, you know, adjust from there. And, like, taking knowledge from a a pro angler, like, say, tactical bass, and, like, they're some of the biggest bass anglers on YouTube, and, you know, use what they're saying and, you know, adjust the color, adjust the size, you know, what what works where they're at that day doesn't it doesn't mean that that's going to work where you're at that day because you know water temperature could be different you know water color you know barometric pressure you know region time of the or time of the year you name it so there's too many variables for anything to be certain dude a hundred percent and you know that's that's something too for any young anglers that uh might have been listening to this or people that are just getting into fishing if you're watching folks on YouTube, like uh, some bigger names, um, if they're catching fish on frogs and you go buy a frog and you don't catch a fish, you can't be upset um, because these people are like in Florida and they're in Texas and it's still fucking hot here. And we can still catch fish on frogs and on mice and stuff like that because it's still hot enough to do it. But in other places, it ain't. And you, you, can't, you can't take their word as gospel. You, you have to understand that there's there is some legwork to do it and like Chris is saying you know go to a, go to a creek or go go to your local pond uh, like or uh, a park with a pond or something like that and go grab some crickets or corn or night crawlers and learn how to tie a clinch knot and put a little piece of split shot on and a bobber and guess what you can fish that same thing in that creek you can fish that same thing in that river it teaches you how to read water and how to drift baits and that's that's crucial um for fishing any kind of lotic water so uh chris i think you hit the nail on the head there with saying that man yeah and you don't need a lot of like you don't need a big tackle box you'll need a big bag or whatever and i know y'all seen it but altoid cans the mini ones or the big ones i mean shit that's really all you need just throw some you know some small jigs or you know a beetle spin or something like that in there that's really all you need to start out on a creek because Damn near anything in a creek is going to hit damn near anything. Super opportunistic. You know, the smaller body of water and smaller fish. Like you you went to another creek and you were catching a bunch of creek chub. And you're just like, all right, I'm going to pitch into this hole. And you throw up there. You're like, oh, I got something a little better. They weren't massive fish, but you were like, basically, you're doing kind of a biological research. You were finding out what was in that in, in that creek by fishing it. You know, you were like, I don't know what's in this creek, but I'm going to find out. And so you took a bait that worked, you know, it, it, I, I, it could have been a beetle spin. It could have been a Helger mite, or it could have been a trout magnet. One of, one of those three. I can't remember I what you were throwing. I think it was the one 200th ounce trout magnet. That, that's what Anytime I go to a really, really small place like that, or like really small, like dinner plate size holes, I'm just going to throw the smallest thing that I can in there. Like in my, one of my creek bags, I've got a box of just cheap South Bend flies that I picked up at Walmart like 200 years ago. That I'll throw on every now and then under a barber. And I just pitch those out and let them kind of work through the hole. I mean, that 
uh, flies, you know, fly fishing with a fly rod and everything else, you got to learn how to cast, but using flies under conventional gear, there's nothing wrong with it. And that's honestly one of the best ways to figure out what is in that body of water because all fish eat bugs, you know, there, and some fish are not discriminatory towards a certain pattern. Some are, some aren't. So sometimes you can just get away with throwing, you know, some kind of bead headed nymph and running that through. And if it's the right profile and the right size, bang, it's going to get blown up. It'll get hit by a trout, a chub, a, a smallmouth bass, a bluegill. I mean, bluegill just eat bugs like crazy. Oh, I had yeah. some, one of my good friends, he was like, I didn't think they'd eat bugs. I'm like, oh yeah, they eat bugs. I mean, that's kind of one of their things. He's more, you know, he's more of a, um, adranimous, you know, type fish and offshore. So he doesn't really fish those types of fish, but he was like, I thought that they were like a worm and bobber fish. Well, they are, but they'll also eat flies. Yeah, I mean, really anything that just looks small and they could get their mouth on, like they'll attack it. Like green sunfish are some of the most territorial fish in the panfish species, and like they're fun to catch and fight. They're they're great catfish bait. They're they handle being on a catfish hook very very well. And as far as like in these little mountain creeks you know war paint shiners common shiners a little stuff like that they're a lot more aggressive than people think they are like just because they're small it doesn't mean they're not going to attack something i mean they're a lot more aggressive than people understand mm-hmm. and they're actually really pretty fish man like oh yeah war paint shiners are fucking gorgeous dude yeah war paint shiners log perch like the first time i ever caught a log perch i didn't know what the hell it was like it was just tiny little asshole bait stealer and somebody corrected me on what it was and i was like well now i I know what it is i'm catching the shit out of them man well we're coming up on that time here chris um it wow this is really actually went by pretty fast (laughs) once again it seems like these go fast faster and faster but um before we cut off of here you have your youtube channel that's how we know you and um yeah just to ask really quick what got you started with the youtube john dalton with creek fishing adventures harassed me for about two years he's like when you going to start a channel when you going to start a channel and i was like i really don't want to because the editing like if i get a video that i know is going to be good or you know caught several big catfish in i don't mind doing the editing but you know if i'm just trying to keep up a schedule stuff like that i can't stand editing those videos but yeah, he hounded me for a couple of years on doing it, and then um, he gave me two of his GoPros that he just wasn't using anymore because he upgraded and you know stuff like that. So he really helped me out with like the camera equipment and you know giving me ideas on you know what to do as far as like the titles, the content, the editing software, and things like that. Which I edit everything on my phone with power director like i don't i only use my laptop when i um add the oh shit what is it the little things that pop up toward the end of the video for this video or this video or subscribe or whatever okay well so with that being said um where can people find you where can they get in touch with you where can they watch your videos other than youtube um it's just Instagram. Like I've got Snapchat, but I almost never use it. But um, yeah, YouTube and Instagram, same handle, Catfish and Chris. For some weird reason, people sometimes have an issue finding the Catfish and Chris YouTube channel. Um, but if you go to like Creek Fishing Adventures channel, and you'll more than likely 
see his or see some or some of the videos me and him have done together. But um, I do have a link in my Instagram bio that you can go to, and it'll bring it up there. Okay. Well, Chris, it, it's been a lot of fun tonight. This is uh, awesome. You know, it's it's cool to get just uh, you know somebody that just likes to go out and fish to talk. You know, I mean, everybody likes to go out and fish, but you know, somebody with something so accessible for everybody that's that's not gate kept and it's basic. It doesn't cost an arm and a leg and, and you make it, uh, a lot of fun, you know, just even if you go to the same spot under the bridge to go catch the same, you know, species or, you know, it, it's just so it's, I don't want to say it's average or mundane because it's not because it's fun to watch, you know, and see you catch fish, but it, it really brings a, a lot of value to people that are new to fishing what you're doing. So, um, you know, it's awesome. I love it. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I'm looking forward to doing this again someday. But like I was saying, like, I try to keep my content real relatable to, you know, the average Joe that's just, you know, get off of work or out of class or whatever and just wants to go catch fish. Like, yeah, catching big fish are fun. But, you know, I'm more about catching a bunch of, you know, bunch of fish regardless of size. You know, because if I'm catching fish, I'm staying more interested in staying there instead of, you know, one every two, three hours. You know, that gets old real quick. Yeah. Well, with all of that good stuff, we're coming around here to the end. John, you want to roll those sponsors again? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> if I don't choke and die here. <laughs> don't um, die. Tell people my story. Yeah. Um, this episode of Working Class Fishing was brought to you by Max and Outfitters, Lid Rig, Angry Rooster Fly Company, Morris Fly Co., and Troutlander Nets. Weston is doing a really cool giveaway here a little bit later in the fall. Uh, we'll be announcing some more stuff here for that. That's Troutlander Nets on Instagram. Um, really amazing products. Uh, he's kind of getting back in the swing of things and, uh, hang out for that it's going to be pretty red absolutely and like always uh if you're listening to this podcast for the first time or it was recommended to you please make sure to hit that follow button on spotify or start following us over on apple podcast we're also on a whole bunch of other podcast platforms as well and if you want to get in touch with us or see our other stuff we're on instagram at working class fishing we are also on youtube at working class fishing we're on facebook under wc fish uh, you can also find us on the Go Wild app under Working Class Fishing. And of course, if you ever want to come on this podcast or you know somebody that we should have on this podcast, please feel free to shoot out and send us an email to workingclassfish at gmail.com. Make sure to include their name and contact information. Uh, unless they have an Instagram handle, then you can DM us there or you can also send us a Facebook message. So with all that great stuff being said, we can't thank everybody enough for your continued listener uh, support and listening to us and letting us bring you these awesome stories each week. It's a lot of fun. John and I are having a great time. All of you guys sending us all these awesome messages. We're really enjoying the community. So until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope everybody has a great day.